1: Marito Morata, marca España, marca Morata, marca Álvaro, marca Álvaro Morata, mal puesto desde la izquierda y Morata, como mandan los cánones de los delanteros, oh. anticipa al central y con el exterior del pie derecho oh. le dice al central Schule, tú sabes cómo me llamo, yo me llamo Álvaro
2: Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our World Cup recap. We saw Spain draw 1-1 with Germany on Sunday
0: night. I'm here with Román de Arquer. Román, first of all, how are you? Very good, thank you. I'm enjoying this World Cup, to be honest. Uh, of course, the football itself. Uh, there's some really entertaining games. There have been lots of draws. Uh, but lately, we're seeing some very exciting games with lots of goals, which is always uh, great, especially in the World Cup. Yeah, I was
2: going to ask you about that. What what games, or you know, what has surprised you the most, and what games have kind of really made you kind of stand up and take notice?
0: Well, I mean, definitely, there's a massive standout game for me, which is the Saudi Arabia Argentina game. Of course, one of the first ones in the World Cup, where that result was completely, I think, unexpected by everyone. I mean, they played so well in that second half when they came back with those two goals against an Argentina which were favourites for most people you know so uh, or a lot of people at least so I mean that was a massive upset and then of course they had to uh, suffer a lot against uh, Mexico-Argentina to to get the three points in that game and we could see the face of Aymar when Messi scored that wonder goal from outside the box you can just feel that the Argentinians uh, have this extra level we could say of passion that other fans don't have and they just football just seems so relevant for them at the highest level, so of course they're, they're like really suffering and struggling and and after the in the dressing room when they were celebrating that win it was pretty mental, so I mean, in Argentina it means a lot to them, and then of course other really inter- entertaining games, like for example uh, Morocco beating Belgium 2-0, or even Canada had their opportunities to beat Belgium they've been quite the surprise, even though they haven't won any games but they've been playing really, really good football I didn't expect that from them, so I mean these little special moments you get in a World Cup where the smaller sides, you know, surprise you or get good results is always something I, I love to see in these competitions.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that Argentina atmosphere was probably the best we've seen in this yeah. World Cup. And and yeah, you're right to mention Canada there, the, the first goal they've ever scored in World Cups from Alfonso Davis in the first minute. A refugee <laughs> who, who uh decided to play for Canada. Lovely story there. Uh, and yeah, some some big surprises, not least in Spain's group, because before the game last night Japan, who had beaten Germany to a surprise of quite a few people, faced Costa Rica, who of course were hammered 7-0 by Spain in match day one. And what happened? Well, Japan couldn't score, and Costa Rica go and take it 1-0, which blew the group wide open and meant that whatever happened in the Spain-Germany game, no one would be through or out uh, after that game. And and so it proved. Um, Roman, let's let's talk about this game then. Mm-hmm. Spain won, Germany won. What did you make of The first half overall, because there were a few chances, but not a massive amount
0: happened, did it? No, I think that the intensity was so high in terms of pressure, high pressure. Both teams were were kind of pressing really high, so uh, it was difficult for any of the sides to really have control. Maybe Spain had a bit more control, we could say, uh, with the ball, but it was difficult because once they got past the halfway line, you know, the players would jump on on opponents and and it would be quite complicated to build up uh, even in the wings you know the center backs uh, German center backs would uh, give good support to their fullbacks, and that wasn't easy for for Spain to build up. Even though, of course, we had the Dani Olmo chance, which uh, hit the post thanks to uh, Neuer putting his hand there in the middle. That was a really good one. Then I think it was a or or Olmo again. I'm not sure who had another shot from outside the box. We went or Alba. Sorry, Alba had a good shot from outside the box, which went uh, by the post. So it's true that they weren't super clear chances. Maybe Olmo was the best one, but I mean, Spain did seem relatively comfortable taking into account that pressure I was I was mentioning. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, that changed quite a lot, we could say, in the second half.
2: Yeah, the uh, the interval was a kind of a reset for, for both coaches, two very uh, impeccable, highly distinguished coaches who've won the highest, you know, the biggest trophies in club football, now both on the international stage. I think most would say they're probably the best two international coaches around, Anzi Flick, of course, and Luis Enrique. It was Lucho who flinched first, though. He decided after just seven or eight minutes of the second half, he was going to make that change. Ferran was withdrawn, and on came Alvaro Morata, more of a a focal point up front, uh, a number nine, more of a classic style. And uh, it came up trumps, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, Morata had an immediate impact uh, practically on the team. I thought actually that instead of Ferran Torres, it would be Marco Sensi who would come off because... Um, I kind of felt like he wasn't providing too much and it's true that Ferran wasn't having a great game either but he has this ability to, to, to score you know and, and to be in an important position so I thought maybe the, the change would be different but he went for Ferran Torres and it worked out well I mean because Morata basically Came in, scored the goal, uh, gave us hope, and and with him on the pitch, you could see like you could feel, sorry, that uh, the center backs, for example, weren't jumping so much uh, to support uh, their full backs because of course they had to worry about Morata who was there in the middle, and so he was kind of fixating those center backs, which always helps, and and we know that Morata is is capable player. He's a very criticized at times, but at the same time, he he has these qualities where he can hold the ball well, he can dribble well when when he wants to, and he can shoot well when he wants to. And he, he showed it in this game, you know, he was, he was very important, uh, especially uh, in the first few minutes when he came on. Until, of course, the goal, where Spain, I think, still dominated the game until the 70th minute or so, where Germany, you know, made their subs and, and the game got quite complicated for Spain from there on.
2: Yeah, it was a, a fabulous goal, as you say, that the pass from Jordi Alba was perfect and really instinctive finish from Morata with the outside of his right foot just to kind of lift it over Neuer which is not an easy thing to do, as, as we know. But yeah, you're right. Those subs did kind of change the game. Germany sort of thought, well, you've brought on a number nine. We're going to do the same. And, and Niklas Fulkrug is probably the most out-and-out nine as you can probably get in a modern game. This time last year, he was playing in the second division of Germany, the Zweite Bundesliga. And now he's scoring a World Cup goal on just his third cap. Um, it's true, though. They had a couple of moments before that. Jamal Muziala was in on goal. A strong save from Munai Simon kept him mm-hmm. out. But Germany were knocking at the door, weren't
0: they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Musiala, who for me was definitely Germany's best player. His talent is, is just incredible. Uh, no wonder, you know, some people are asking for him to win uh, the the prize that Gabi won in terms of being the best young player of, of the season. Because, I mean, Musiala also has plenty of quality and he showed it at the top level, you know, playing international level World Cup. He was really, really strong for them. And yeah, I think this, um, as... As good as the German changes were, I think the Spanish changes weren't as great after Morata. Uh, So in the sense that Koke, kind of felt like he was brought on to have more possession, more control. But uh, Spain gave away the possession, basically. Or not too much, but uh, Germany were dominating more. So I think Koke wasn't as a useful player when it came down to defending... uh, down at more at the back and trying to to recover the ball so that for me maybe wasn't the best substitution and Nico Williams I expected a bit more from him because there was spaces in those counter attacks he he felt like he could have made much more out of those those chances uh, when uh, Spain recovered the ball but unfortunately that didn't work too well either so that's a few things that Luis can look into for the next games. And also, for example, Dani Olmo, he did look very tired towards the end, even though he does provide a lot in, in attack and defense. He's a, he's a strong fighter, but yeah, he seemed a bit tired. Uh, and then a lot of people have been criticizing the substitution of, of Balle coming on and, you know, Germany scoring just after that which I just think is, is just very unfortunate I mean Balde doesn't really have much to do in that uh, in that yeah. goal you know at the end he is close to the guy but it's in the box you know I mean maybe he could have put his foot a bit harder who knows maybe, maybe it would have been a penalty anyway but to blame Balde for that I think it's, it's ridiculous you no know? I mean and Balde honestly the minutes he's had with Spain I think have been very decent so that second half was definitely uh, more German especially to the, to the last 20 minutes or so where we did suffer and uh, they could have perfectly taken the, the win in the end.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, with Nico's touch there, Nico Williams' t- touch didn't quite seem right, did it? And then I think I saw a stat saying Koke lost as many balls as in, in his short time on the pitch as Busquets did in the whole of his time on the pitch. So there you go. that just gives <laughs> an indication of, of the difference uh, in yeah. this in this system. Uh, yeah, Balde as well. Um, I, I didn't see him at fault for that goal. It, I think it's Laporte who plays the pass out to the left and... I think Pedri misreads it or there is a little bit of a yeah. mix-up in communication. That's where I think it's Serge Gnabry, isn't it? Or Sane that steals in and, and starts the attack from, from that side there. Um, yeah, in the end, Germany probably could have won at the end. Uh, but as you, as you said in our, in our group chat, that chance for Marco Asensio at 1-0, that was yeah. massive, wasn't it? Uh, the ball comes across and Gavi lets it run and Asensio snatches at it first time. He had time and space didn't he he could have done better.
0: absolutely yeah yeah i actually thought it was going to be a goal i mean it wasn't ferran torres shooting so i I had higher hopes but unfortunately uh, he wasn't i guess too comfortable in that position or or something just you know sometimes these things happen i mean it's football in the end but if that would have gone in i think that would have definitely sealed the game off because uh germany would have of course pressed a bit higher but uh, i think spain would have would have had enough of that
2: Well, 1-1 one, one, it finished and uh, Adam Kahn from our preview podcast was absolutely spot on with that prediction. So Spain have pretty much virtually assured their passage to the last 16 anyway. A draw against Japan will guarantee it and if they beat them, they're guaranteed top spot. Even a defeat could still be enough if Germany win or draw against Costa Rica, given that superior goal difference from the opening match. Um, of course, it was never going to be as easy as, as the Costa Rica game turned out. We know that. Uh, but Spain have won consecutive World Cup matches since 2010 when they were champions um, <laughs> in, in, not even in the groups they haven't been able to win two matches on the bounce however they are unbeaten in the last 12 matches at major tournaments in uh, in normal time they've they've only been knocked out on penalties in uh, obviously World Cup 2018 and Euro 2020 so uh, some positives and negatives depending on whether your glass is half full or empty But Roman what do you think for the final game and we're, we're going to have a preview podcast specifically for that game But uh, do you think Spain will... You know, they're in a decent position. Do you think they'll be absolutely fine in getting through?
0: I mean, I think it'll be okay. I'm not too worried, to be honest. Uh, I'm not saying Japan can't have a good game and and put us in a tight spot, but I honestly don't see Germany letting go of this massive opportunity of beating Costa Rica, you know, and and getting through uh, to the next round. So in that sense, I think Spain is in a comfortable state, we could say. But at the same time, I, I think Spain also will be capable of beating japan i've, I've seen them play in, in both games against germany and costa rica and they do like to have the ball for example at times but then against costa rica it didn't work out well and, and against spain it's not going to happen i mean spain is definitely going to have the ball and i mean they have a couple of players that are dangerous in attack kubo for example wasn't playing the other day too much i don't think if he even played a, a single minute in the end or, or just a few towards the end i'm not sure uh but uh, i mean i thought he would be a more important player for them especially against a team like Costa Rica you know you feel like his technical ability should be uh, very useful for the team but they decided not to to make the most of that and uh, i just think that spain uh, will won't go guns blazing you know i mean they, they just will have enough with a draw but uh, japan i don't think have enough quality to to overcome spain even though they surprised us beating argentina uh, sorry argentina beating um, germany uh, but i don't see them surprising us twice uh, in the group stage
2: true, fair enough, well as you, as we say we'll have a full pod to preview that Japan game coming out a little later this week but that's uh, that's all for part one, thank you very much for your insight Roman, in part two we'll hear the Germany side of things with Jasmine Baba, so stay tuned for that thanks, thanks for listening and uh, don't go away Zane sliding it through, Musiala, full
0: Krug, 1-1, slammed home. The substitute gets it done when Germany so desperately, desperately needed a goal and a route back into the game and more importantly, a route back into contention in this group.
2: Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our recap of Germany 1, Spain 1 from match day 2 of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Next up we'll get some German reaction now and uh, we're privileged to welcome Jasmine Baba onto the pod. And we started out by asking what were her impressions of the overall game?
4: My overall impressions of the game on Sunday were a lot better than the Japan game. Hansi Flick's in-game management and team selection were a lot better for um, to defend and disrupt Spain through pressing especially from Thomas Miller leading the line and Gundogan as a 10. But the only issues with this was they did not have the speed or the players to transition their ball wins. So what had happened is that they had no real chances, even though they kept Spain at bay. But. The decision to go with Kerra as right back and put, especially Patsula as centre-back was a lot more um, defensively stable despite all these other um, decisions. And obviously his substitutions were magic. Sane actually come on for once, which means suddenly the speed in attack and directness, someone who can really work the space around him. Musiala as a 10 finally proved... What Musiala has been doing in the Bundesliga all season, and obviously Niklas Fulkrug as an actual box president striker, which completely changed the game.
2: How is this result seen in, in the German context, then? What has the reaction been where you are in Germany?
4: The result in Germany has made it a lot more optimistic, but people over here definitely have their feet grounded. I think there's a lot more optimism of what Hansi Flick has to do. I mean, win big against uh, Costa Rica. And there's still some criticisms about could they actually beat Costa Rica? We saw how they played against Japan, a very strong defensive um, team mindset, relying on counter-attacks. And that can be something that can really thwart Hansi Flick's side. So there's a lot of optimism to be had, but yes, um, feet firmly on the ground.
2: Antonio Rudiger said after the game that uh, Nicholas Fudkraut gave Germany something they didn't previously have, and of course he earned Germany that point with that thumping strike, just his second goal in three caps. You've written about his skill set a lot as a roaming target man. Could he be the unexpected key player for this German side?
4: There's no reason why Niklas Fulkrug can't be the key player. Um, it is something that missed against Japan, just a box present striker to score goals, to work the box, to receive the ball into the box, all these things that Fulkrug uh, is good at. Um, we saw his finish last night. He, he, he Germany has needed someone like this against the smaller sides who are going to sit back and be troublesome to break down. They'd like to try and Germany try to work the ball with um, with possession. And they need, also need that kind of striker to lay off passes for other people, which they haven't quite had. They've had more of the Timo Werners who like to pick up in space and run, and that's not counter-attacking against the smaller side. If he starts, especially when Musiala is a 10 behind him and signing on the left, I would expect him to be a key player in, in this German side.
2: We have to talk about Jamal Muziala, many people's player of the match. How do you assess his night and how excited is the German football community about his potential?
4: Musiala has been playing 11 out of 10s for solidly for around 18 months now um i've talked about him at the beginning of last season and why people hadn't been talking about him more and now he's done it on a massive stage um everyone's excited by him everyone's trying not to pressurize him because they don't have to i think he's shown what he can do and he does it on big stages small stages he possesses a skill and talent that i've not seen in a 19 year old um and it's just far light years beyond his age so everyone loves him everyone is excited about him and the way he can change games and just speed up and be a talent he never gives up and Those are all the qualities you want in a youngster flourishing on the big stage.
2: Some player, indeed. Finally, then, what chances do you give the Mannschaft of making it out of the group on match day three? Will they qualify?
4: I don't know what chances I give um, the German national team of making it out of the group on the last match day. Obviously, It might not be enough, whatever they do. I just wish the better decisions were made against Japan on the first match day. um, I think it's obviously Um, 50-50. Costa Rica, as I said, they're very good at keeping a low block. And it was only the kind of talent of Spain and the quality that they have that broke Costa Rica open. I think Costa Rica can be dangerous. We saw against Japan how they just set up shop and it caused Japan problems and these other teams that caused Germany problems. So that is where the other 50% lies. But I feel, I hope that they do make it out the group, obviously, and um, go far because this is a talented team. They have the quality despite what other people say. They are a quality team. They have quality players and they should be able to work with each other and challenge for the World Cup. There is no reason not to. And I hope that the decisions of the coach especially does not affect this team because they can do it. We've seen um, other teams of similar quality already qualify um, and also challenge for world cups in other tournaments so there is no reason why they can't push to the absolute end
2: thank you very much jasmine for your time Uh, make sure you go and follow her on twitter it's at underscore jasmine baba It would be remiss of us not to mention what a poignant day it was for Luis Enrique and his family. At the start of the day, he put on his Instagram feed a message, um, when he was out cycling as he does most days, he, uh, wished his, his, his daughter happy birthday, she would have turned 13 on Sunday. Uh, of course she tragically died in 2019. And then after the game, a German journalist asked him a question about that video. And for the first time he spoke about it in public and he spoke very candidly about how uh, him and his family have dealt with the tragic loss. This is what he said. It's been a special day for me and my family without a doubt. We have thought about living this naturally for a long time. It's evident that physically we don't have our daughter with us, but we have her present every day. We remember her a lot. We laugh and we think about how she would act in every situation of many things that happened to us. This is how life works. There are not only beautiful things and trying to find happiness, but also knowing how to manage these moments. Lucho are very candid in his words in the press conference after the game. Um, we wish him and his family all the best, of course, as they continue to adjust to life without their daughter. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. We will um, be back with a preview of the Japan game and we'll leave you with the words of Luis Enrique as we play out. Thanks for listening.
0: Ha sido para mí un día especial, sin ninguna duda, para mi familia, pero hace mucho tiempo que nosotros pensamos en vivir esto con naturalidad y eh, es evidente que no eh, tenemos eh, físicamente a nuestra hija, pero pero la tenemos eh, presente cada día, nos acordamos mucho de ella, nos reímos y pensamos cómo actuaría en cada situación de muchas cosas que nos pasan. Y nada más, así funciona la vida, no solo son cosas bonitas y y tratar de buscar la felicidad, sino también saber gestionar estos momentos.